This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Winning is fun, but winning big puts us all in a position of sustained long-term big wins. And as each one of us are different, our starting points are different, our destinations are different, in this podcast, we get you amazing conversations from leaders from all walks of life, all over the world, because those wisdoms, insights give us those thought nuggets that we need to jump ahead. Today, I have with me Dwight Holcomb. And Dwight, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. So first of all, congratulations on taking time to be here. And let's start with your current role as the CEO of HC Development. What is the niche offering of HC Development? What is AI intent marketing? So give me a little insight on that, please. Thanks, Arjun, and thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So HC Development, uh, we can call ourselves a fractional CMO or chief marketing officer, but we also offer a virtual dedicated team to execute on all the strategy that we help companies accomplish. We have two specific areas that we're targeting and that we specialize in. One is for software and IT companies, typically between five and a hundred million in revenue. And the other is graduate level and legal programs. So in the university market, we work with expanding uh, graduate level programs. And intent, intent marketing or intent-based marketing, we use an AI platform to analyze a massive amount of big data on the internet. And what it's looking for are the signals, the buying signals, the intention to buy intent. That's where the word intent comes from. So this isn't just search. This is if a company is looking at a multitude of different things. If they're looking at articles, review sites, videos, posting on forums on a specific topic, we can search for a very specific industry segment, people Mm -hmm. searching for that. And then we reach out to those people uh, using a multi-platform approach to get in front of them just in time, as we say, right as they enter the buying cycle. So to me, I love the fact you broke it into two different niches. So help me understand a little bit more the impact you're making in the academic world. So I I graduated from, uh, it's a dual MBA, executive MBA program with the UCLA uh, Anderson School of Management and the National University of Singapore. Mm -hmm. And I technically was the perfect candidate for what they do in their marketing platforms. An executive MBA, it's still a right. It's a, you get the same certificate as a normal MBA, but it's the people are much more tenured. They're mid to higher level management. So uh, when they did the outreach to me, I, I had already been thinking, I need to get an MBA. I need to, I need that certificate to help advance my career. And so when I once I graduated, we started working with initially with UCLA Anderson, 
And I realized that you know, my insight really helped because I was their perfect target. So then we just started looking at how to advance that, that outreach and that awareness so that people felt it was very relevant for them, it was very timely for them and getting in front of them in a way that just made a lot of sense. So we've had a, a great deal of success. Uh, one of our clients in the, in, the, um, in the education space, in our first four months of working together, we generated $1.4 million in new revenue and new tuition for them. So we've had a, we have a really good method of, and it's a multi-platform outreach approach. So it's, it's getting people where they communicate, where they live and breathe, uh, and in a very relevant and non-salesy way. I love that part, getting people to communicate where they live and breathe. So it's a very relevant communication. And also I loved the way you brought in you as a target audience and connecting. So I also want to push you a little bit further on AI intent marketing. What's the passion? Like you are very passionate about it. You're looking at it both in the business world and also in the academics. So how did this whole thing start? Uh, you know, I, I have been speaking quite a bit uh, really since, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the first time I really went up and spoke in a corporate event. But one thing I really was passionate as, to speak about was technology. Mm -hmm. My undergraduate degree from Arizona State University is computer information systems. I've always had an affinity for technology, but I've always been in the middle of sales and marketing. So I wanted to find a way to merge these two together. And, and that's exactly what we've done. And, and, the, and as I spoke, I would tell people about all these amazing things coming, talking about things like uh, IBM's Watson, and I would, my example I would give, as I said, if you're a doctor, Watson out there, you know, performs at least twice better than a doctor, like a doc, they did a test of, of a lung cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Watson scored 90 something percent on the diagnosis accuracy. Doctors scored about 50%. Wow. And I said, you have a choice as a doctor. You can either be scared to death or you can be excited because IBM Watson allows you to grab their platform as a doctor. You can be Dr. Jones sponsored by Watson or powered by Watson. So, because once you're diagnosed, you still need the human care. And mm -hmm. I think the same thing's true for just about all of us. It, I, as me as a marketer, I think if I'm looking at this landscape, I have to say, what, can, what tools can I use? Because if I don't, I'm going to get left behind. And the people that don't use it, they're going to lose clients. They're going to go out of business. But for me, for what, what I'm seeing, and this is happening, is as those people uh, go out of business, they, they have customers that still need somebody to help them. So there's a growing pool of candidates that we can reach out to and, and are looking. And just in time, we, do, we drink our own Kool-Aid. We use that process and find people who really need our help right now. So that's why I'm passionate about it because I feel like it's the next, it's the thing we have to all be considering and continuing to do to stay relevant, to stay alive because mm -hmm. it's changing. And the, and the change of the hockey stick is, it's only going vertical and it's gonna keep going vertical. So we have to just continuously look at ways that we can stay relevant using technology and blending those together uh, to be a supplement to us and not a threat to ending us. So two things that are three few things that jumped out. One is, of course, your passion. Okay. And this cannot be fake. Like you are sharing from the heart. And when you talked about change, and the Watson is a great example that either be scared or be excited and embrace. And to me, it's also, as you mentioned, it's not just about 
evolving and getting better. Like if you don't evolve and embrace, you'll be left behind. And the rate at which brands are getting obsolete, like to me, 10 years back, none of us would have thought that this would be a year with no Sears robots. But Sears is gone. Yeah. Like, you know, sharper image, gone. Like brands that have not evolved are gone so rapidly. And I really think this becomes more relevant. So now I just want to put you on the spot and push you a little bit. What are some of the biggest accomplishments you're proud of? Like what has been the biggest driver for success? Because I just want to look at the passion and just connect to that moment of mega success that you have accomplished in your journey thus far. You know, I would say just starting this company and making it successful because I can tell you there were many nights and late nights and waking up early in the morning, just saying, what am I doing? You know, what can I make this work? And should I give up and go back to get a, you know, a normal job again? And I think that just that, and I remember a couple of critical moments when I, I lost a, two clients in a row and, you know, it was, it made up of at least $20,000 of recurring monthly revenue. And that was a big hit because I had to hire all these people to service these clients. And now all of a sudden I had their paychecks to, to have to still figure out, you know, mm -hmm. if a client goes away, just, you know, the, the expenses don't go away. So I remember, I remember laying in bed, getting up, I, I couldn't sleep very, very well. And it was probably about five forty six in the morning. I opened my, I just woke up cause I was just really that nervous feeling. And I, I just had, it was a moment where I had to make a decision. Like I'm going to, I'm either going to fold mm -hmm. or I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. And, you know, the saying of there's, there's a saying that, you know, there's not much that can't be fixed without some hard work or the, there's not much that hard work can't fix, whatever the saying is. Mm -hmm. I remember kind of feeling that sense of this is the answer I need to go. Now there's always, you can work smarter and not harder, but there's always, if you're having a problem and you put some hard work into it and, and along the way, try to figure out more efficient and better ways of doing it, that's great. But I just said, I've got to get, I got to replace those clients. And well, how do you do that? You, you start making calls, you start doing outreach, you start, you know, the same thing that we're helping clients do. I said, I have to really put my money where my mouth is and walk the walk of what I'm doing for other people. We need to just do for ourselves. And, and it was a, it was a pivotal moment because at that time, uh, LinkedIn outreach was one of our pretty, it was our main and core marketing tool that we were using with clients. But I saw the writing on the wall with that as well. It was becoming commoditized. It was becoming a crowded marketplace. LinkedIn was changing their rules. And so not only did I have to use that tool, but I needed to figure out other tools. Mm -hmm. So we ended up building out our own software platform that's uh, every bit as powerful as a Marketo. We used open source tools to do it, but it's uh, it, it's a we have a unique combination of a conversation that's built inside of the, the, the nurture sequence mm -hmm. that nobody else has. That all came from these moments where I said, we've got, not only we need to get new clients, we need to find a better way to do it because if we only are a one trick pony, we're not going to win the race. And, and I also realized over time, what was working was a multi-channel outreach, a multi-platform outreach. So hitting people at all these different touch points so that, you know, they may not be in the LinkedIn inbox or they may not be on, uh, on in, in, in their email box that much. Maybe they need a telephone call. Now we do one-to-one -one video marketing, which is you know at least five times better open rate in the messages that go out. So putting that all together, we found a winning combination. And I can tell you this, the other thing I've learned from it is 
that works right now really well, but it may not work six months from now. So we have to constantly stay on top of these things and look for new ways and new innovation in this space to be relevant. So that I'd see that's my biggest accomplishment is those moments when I, when I was really hurting the most, feeling the most desperate to push through and just be determined. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to find a way to make this work. You know, whatever it takes, I'm going to make this work. So to me, I think you give a classic example of something we all seek is be a client to yourself. And for your case, it was necessity. And not only did you use it to evolve your business, but also created maybe the next or the super next gen solutions. You know, one thing you mentioned in that amazing sharing and story really hit home and resonates with a lot of us. A lot of us micro entrepreneurs, there are days we just look at the wall and say, time to throw in the towel. What's your advice to all of us, because we all have those moments. Okay, let's be totally honest. So what's your advice? I love that smile on your face. Something amazing is coming. So what's your advice to all of us when we face that moment? Oh, first of all, I realize that everybody has those same moments. There's nobody that does not have those that I've ever met. And it's, you know, it's just finding the the inner strength to, to move past the, you know, we all have weaknesses and mm-hmm. things that are distract us and I'm, I'm a procrastinator about a lot of things. So my constant struggle is when I know I need to be doing something, I'll put it off. And, I, and I've, I'm learning and I continue to try to learn how to not do that. The other thing is I, I create work hours. There is, I mean, I, I, it, there's so much distraction with politics and, and, and COVID and all this other stuff that you could get caught up and lost in, in watching YouTube and you know following these things on the internet. And I, I just tell everybody I speak with about this. You put a set of time in your day from eight to five at the very least, if not more, and just refuse. Don't look at that stuff and, and make sure that you have goals and objectives for where you're trying to reach in six months and three months this week today that uh, somebody said recently, I heard it's uh, you're, being efficient is not good. Being impactful is good. What did I, did I do a bunch of busy work that was efficient today? Or did I actually make progress to bringing in more revenue? What activity do I need to do today in those hours that are distraction free? No, no messages. I don't return emails within certain hours. Uh, There's certain things I just don't allow to come into that sacred space. And I know I'm going to get that work done during that time. And, you know, there's, I'm not perfect. There's days where I completely blow it and I end up messing with a bunch of stuff that is time consuming that I shouldn't do. Um, the other thing is delegation. I, I, and that's it. It's a lot of times I'm working on things that I like working. We do a lot of video. I end up doing video editing because I, I know how, but that's not the best use of my time. I like to do it. And I have to ask myself, should I be doing this or should I hand this off to somebody else? And usually the answer is somebody else on my team should be doing this so I can focus on the bigger picture, better, better strategy of how to gain more business, how to help our clients, how to earn more revenue. And so that I think is, is been the, the thing that's, that made it work the most for me is just dedicating a, a portion of my day where nothing, that's my sacred time. And that's all about, you know, raising more revenue for my clients and for our company. And to me, I think I'll get into videos in a second, but I think I love that advice of dedicating time. And in one of my podcasts, a VIP guest educated me on this incredible concept is, Arjun, even when you work from home, have a daily ritual and a daily commute. 
the daily commute could be just walking down the staircase, but walk the commute with a purpose that you are starting your day excited because otherwise we blend both. And I really love that definition as you start looking at. And second also is with any super CEO or a super leader performer, I've always seen, as you mentioned, what I should not do define success because you can very easily get caught with the $30 an hour job and that prevents Dwight from accomplishing the thousand to five thousand dollars a hour job because you know yeah. the thirty dollars an hour job looks more urgent than the big one. Yeah. So I want to get into the videos. You have talked about videos and teased me a little bit. I really want to understand where is this video boom going? This whole conversion rate you talked about, you know. So to me, help me a little bit about the trend, but also give me some ideas what anyone and everyone should do it. If not, we'll be left behind. I'm going to steal your phrase every time. Okay, uh, that's a great question. And it's, um, I think the best answer is just that as an executive in your company, you have to look at every function of how you interact and look for ways to put video into it. Uh, and I'll give you a couple examples. So um, one of the easiest ways is to take landing pages that you currently have and add a video to the landing page. So we have landing sequences, I'll call them flat sequences because that means they don't have, I call those flat, they don't have videos. Mm -hmm. So we have a client sequence where they had pay-per-click advertising in Facebook and Google AdWords. And then it pushed to a landing page where we captured just the first name and email and then that went to another landing page where they entered their payment information. And then there was a final landing page. It was a thank you page. Mm -hmm. So there were no videos in that process. So starting at the very front end, mm -hmm. advertise all the ads that we run on any of the platforms, LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, uh, Instagram, Google AdWords, they all perform better with video. Mm -hmm. Not even a question. Always the video outperforms the image or the text ads. So we put a video and they need to be very short, 10 to 15 seconds. They're called pre-roll ads. You can run them on YouTube even as a pre-roll ad where if somebody searches for something, uh, it's, it's a retargeting. For, so instead of uh, freaking them out with an image ad somewhere else, well, instead of when they go to watch a YouTube video, your 15 second pre-roll ad, let's say they search for, um, let's say they're looking for, uh, I'm trying to think of something random. Uh, let's say they're looking for a blue, a blue Levi's jean jacket. Mm -hmm. Well, they type that search. Well, now you're following them around. And before they go to watch their next video, uh, right before that, the pre-roll ad and says, are you looking for a blue jean jacket, a, a blue Levi's jacket? And then that's your ad. And they say, oh my goodness, I am looking for that. Mm -hmm. What a coincidence. So they click on that. It goes to the first page. And on the first page, you want to congratulate them from, be congratulate them from being there, but you want to quickly resonate with them about their pain who they are, how you solve their problem. Oh, I apologize. How you solve their problem. And then what does that outcome look like with a call to action? And then that call to action takes them to the next page. And then the next page, you want to congratulate them from taking that next step and, and just point them out the features of what they need to know about this page and what they need to, why it's relevant and go ahead and fill out. Finally, they get a thank you. I say congratulate them more than you thank them because you're, you're offering them something that should help them and change their life. So congratulate them for taking the step to make that. Don't thank them like you're desperate for their business. Congratulate them across the board. 
So in this one sequence, we improved the conversion rate by 78% by adding a pre-roll video, first page, second page, third page video, and then a email nurture sequence that would, if they didn't make it past the first page, they gave us the first name and email, they went to the second page and they bounced, we would have a sequence to remind them to come back. And once they got the thank you and email sequence and the email have video in them as well. So there's one example. The other is if you're doing a sales process, everybody is bombarding people on every platform, LinkedIn, email, and otherwise with spam messages mm -hmm. and people just tune that stuff out. So if you can use a one-to-one -one video messaging process, uh, I'll give you a couple of tools. You can use Vidyard, which is free. There's use Loom, there's Bonjoro. There's a, a number of tools you can use and they're, the free version is amazing. You just click, record the video, drop it as a thumbnail in your email and you send it. And, and what I'll even do is I'll hold up my phone or a tablet and I'll write their name and mm -hmm. I'll say, hi, Arjun. And then I hold it up right here and I'm waving and they see an animated GIF in the email and in the LinkedIn post, there's a much higher probability that somebody's going to open that message because I've sent you a personal video. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, hey, I thought we should connect. I saw your profile. It looks great. That's so generic and it's nothing personal about it. I'm actually recording a video going, Arjun, I heard about your show, Secrets to Win Big, and I just wanted to have a quick conversation with you. That's so relevant. And so, you know, most people, they see their name in that thumbnail, they're going to open the message. So that's another great way to use video just to, to stand out in the noise, so to speak. But to me, this was literally, you took me to school. And, you know, if you go back to old days, somebody once taught me that if I sent you a message, if that message came only from Arjun, only to Dwight, only about today, that's relevant. But what you took the relevance to the next level is today's way of delivery. And a few of the big nuggets that I took away from that conversation were one, eight to 10 second video is the power. Second is, as you start looking at is customizing because I'm really tired of all the SEO, digital transformation and all the emails. Like I really feel that Arjun needs to digitally change because everybody wants me to be digitally transformed. Like. It's such a bizarre way of starting the first professional date by spamming me. Yeah. And the biggest nugget, you know, I'm taking from this conversation is congratulate more than you simply thank. And to me, I really love that. I absolutely. So to me, that's fascinating. So I want to change the discussion area a little bit and go to some of your amazing bestsellers. Those are there. And I want to lean on your book, The Lean CMO. I was working on that cheesy one-liner. So first of all, congratulations. Thank so you. what's the biggest thing you want readers to take away from the book? Why did you write that book? I wrote this book from an experience that I had. I was the chief marketing officer of an enterprise software company. And we were really struggling with advancing into this new era of innovative thinking and marketing. And I had to really fight hard uh, to get a lot of things to happen. And it was this old mindset that people had of, you know, that, that, that there's a certain way of doing it and this is how we do it. And I just saw the writing on the wall in that, in that time. And I knew that we needed to really embrace things like the gig, the gig economy mm -hmm. uh, and, and, um, and, and new technology and new innovation. I mean, at that time, LinkedIn was just barely getting going. Mm -hmm. And so, and I knew that was going to become a very important platform. And now it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's massive. So 
I, and it took me about a year, but I started using things like crowdsourcing and outsourcing and the gig economy and new technology. And we were able to have tremendous success because of this new way of doing it. And, and I, and I wrote the book because it's about producing, it's about, you know, even a small company with a, with a small budget can produce these big results and look like a bigger company uh, and produce and perform like a bigger company. And if you use crowdsourcing, you could, you could go out and, uh, you know, use sites like fiverr.com or crowdspring.com. We did a campaign on crowdspring where we put several hundred dollars up. We did a logo uh, request and we had about a hundred people submit designs and about 50% of them were pretty darn good. 10% of them were amazing. And then we sent the 10% out to a bunch of people and they voted and we got the one. So we, we, as I, as an individual with a small firm, uh, ended up getting, a team of a hundred people in essence to do mm -hmm. the work. And I didn't have, you know, the old method was you hire a big, huge law firm or a marketing firm, or you have an internal marketing department, you know, and it's a big bloated department and everybody costs a lot of money. And now you can do things much quicker, more efficient, less cost. And it's a, it's, it's just as much for small companies and startups as it is for enterprise. In fact, it's probably more important for enterprise organizations because they're so stuck mm -hmm. in that mindset. And so they're, they really struggle to get out of that, that, that red tape that exists internally and to make things happen. So I believe those companies will completely fall apart, as you mentioned, quite a few of them, and that'll continue to happen. We're going to completely see the breakup of a lot of these companies, uh, and there'll be a lot of micro uh, economies that are formed through these different little segmented companies that serve a market very specifically, very niched, uh, very efficiently, very cost-effectively, very personally. And that's the new thing that's being allowed by this intent-based marketing and the, and the AI is you can not only know when people are looking, but using the data that's collected out there, you can craft a message that's hyper-focused on them and hyper-personalized on them. So mm -hmm. you could see they maybe just posted something. Somebody sent me an email the, yesterday. I sent it around to my team. They said, hey, I saw your podcast interview. And I just wanted to say congratulations. And I really liked your segment where you said, ba, ba, ba. And now they said a message about how they can help me with sales, which wasn't really related. But the fact that they did that, that is yep. the first indication to me that they're taking it seriously, that they, they can't do the old way anymore. They've got to stand out with their messaging. Now, did they automate that or did somebody do it personally? I don't know. There's, it's, the automation is getting better. Uh, we're doing a few versions of that to automate it. But uh, we do have teams that personalize it directly. And that's, that's the key. And that's what this book was all about is saying you have to reconsider how you've been doing things and change. And the great thing is, is if you do it, it doesn't take, it's getting easier and easier to take these steps and to pull on, pull in these tools. And yeah. once you do, then, then you're off to the races and you can compete again. It doesn't take long to do. Yeah, I'm so glad I asked the question because initially when I was preparing, I was not seeing the connection of the lean CMO with everything else you're talking and now I get it because to me, at the core, Dwight helps us stay ahead of the huge waves of changes which are coming. And the Lean CMO is an overarching bigger picture and tactical roadmap on how to stay ahead. It's like literally one was a concept and now you are creating a bigger tactical plan. So I get it. So if you were not in this career path with marketing, AI, bigger picture in life, what would Dwight be loving to do in life right now? 
It's a great question. I, I, I think it's the answer is I think I'm doing it. I really believe what I'm doing is I'm just, I, I'm so happy. I have a, a pretty interesting past. I was a stand-up comic for eight years and I traveled all over the country performing at comedy clubs all over the country. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, I moved to Los Angeles. I got into the entertainment business and went pretty far and, and uh, worked with some pretty big name guys and had some fun doing that. But it just, at the end, I wasn't, I wasn't truly happy there. I felt like there was something I was supposed to be doing that was different. And the great news is now we do a lot of corporate video. I do a lot of video editing. Uh, we do all, so in a way I'm kind of scratching that itch of, of production. So that's mm -hmm. been kind of a nice thing, but I think in general, I, you know, I've, I've, I've asked that of myself often and my, and the reason I say I'm doing what I want to do is because I've always asked the question often, you know, I, that am I doing what I want to do? And, and am I, am I doing something that I won't have to look back when I'm hopefully I live to at least 90 and I, I don't want to say the worst words that I think you can say were, which are, I wish I would have, mm -hmm. and I don't want to say that. And so I've, I've intentionally moved and taken chances and taken leaps of faith in different areas so that I don't have to ask that question and, and feel uh, when I'm, when I'm older, like I really missed the boat or I missed something. I really, my, my heart was leading me to do. So that's why I am exactly where I am today. And I, I think, you know, people say, do, do whatever you're passionate about. I don't necessarily agree with that. I say, do, do something that you're passionate about that definitely solves a problem for someone so that you can get paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just only do what you love doing. It has to fill the need for someone else. To, to make generate revenue. So if you can marry those two together, then you're good to go. And I feel like I've really done that with, uh, with this company. And to me, it's fascinating that you heard it first here that Dwight, eight years at the highest level of stand-up comedian. And there's something that is there. I really think it has impacted the confidence and I really, you know, I'm glad you shared. You're listen, listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, it's truly an honor and a pleasure to have this fascinating conversation with my VIP guest, Dwight Holcomb. And Dwight is the author of Amazon bestseller, The Lean CMO, and you right away heard it's going to help all of us stay lean, but think big, act big, and get big, big results. Also, he's the host of the business television show, SaaS CEO Success TV and CEO of HC Development using AI marketing to connect with ready-to-buy decision-makers and video conversion marketing. So the big thing that I learned in my conversation thus far is embrace change, don't be scared, but use it relevant in today's world. But at the same time, don't forget what got us in the business in the past, and which is the example of the sales email that you got is every time I need to show you that I am just giving you attention only one-on-one. -on -one. So right, the last section is rapid questions, three to se seven word answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So first is, this is bigger than marketing. Okay, you are a bigger leader, amazing advice on leadership. What would be your advice, three to seven words to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? Clear focus. Uh, just aggressive and relentless pursuit of your goals and never giving up. Thank you. So how do you define a big win? For me, a big win is one that 
it just wasn't going to happen and it wasn't going to happen and it wasn't going to happen. And I just didn't stop. And then it finally happened. The feeling of that to me is even if it's not about the, 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 the dollars, the, the fact that I got it to go when everybody else said it wasn't, that's the big win. Brilliant. What is one reason companies fail to win big? A lot of companies, I think they're just, uh, one of the reasons is potentially they're just not focused uh, on a narrow enough seg market segment. Mm -hmm. they, tr they try to be too many things to too many people. And when they narrow their focus, they, they really start to, to gain traction. And I, you know, the common thread between all three of them was clear focus, don't stop at what others tell you. And I just think this is the biggest thread I'm seeing in our conversation is how hard you are committed to work and you follow through. And I really think that my grandma always reminded me is it's 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. She yeah. said it's good to be smart, but I would bet on a hardworking horse any day. And that I think, you know, I'm, thank you for reminding me of her. Yeah. Next question is most leaders completely rule out some word from the dictionary. You know, top athletes I've worked with, they sometimes even remove the word no impossible from the dictionary. What's, what's the word not in Dwight's dictionary? Uh, what's the word I would re remove? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll turn this and I'll put a spin on this. One, one of the words that we take out of uh, scripts when we write scripts is I would like to, uh, not the, the, the phrase, I would like to, or I would love to. And I always say to people, they don't care what you would like to do. <laughs> say yeah. it in a way that's like, instead, I would like to meet, just say, let's meet. Okay. It's, it's a lot of unnecessary words. So I take out what, take out what you want. Love that. And what's your favorite word? Like if I was your intern watching you, following you all day, what's your favorite word that White uses most often? Fantastic. Love that. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> okay. If Dwight in 2020 could go back and meet that little kid graduating from high school full of promise, what would be that advice that you would whisper to that kid that will help him in his journey ahead? I would, I would try to encourage myself to not wait so long to get things started. I, I messed around pretty good until my thirties, until, mm -hmm. until I was in about 30. Uh, I, but then again, I have to say, I, you know, I got it all, I got all the, the uh, whatever they call it out of my system. And I, and I was ready to really, you know, focus at that point. So mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of, it's hard. It's a, it's a, it's a tough question to answer, but um, is, is getting in that all out of my system early? Did that cause me to be more successful because I was more ready? If I had started too early, would I have reached the plateau and then unwound because I hadn't really gone through that phase? Mm -hmm. That's a really tough question to answer, but that's a good one. Thank you. So finally, I feel that you talked a lot about process. I, you know, I find that success without a process cannot be repeated. Okay. So is there a ritual that you follow when you start your working day, first thing in the morning, when you're wrapping up your work day, last thing that you are comfortable sharing? Yeah. So in the morning, when I first get started, I, I tackle the things that I know are going to get advance us uh, or our clients in there in, in building revenue. I get those done first. And, and usually I try to put the most painful things first. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that, that uh, we didn't really get to talk about this much, but I, I, for a long time, I wasn't taking care of my health. 
Um, and and I, I ended up making a commitment. I ran the New York Marathon. So running became a part of my habit, but also swimming. So uh, in COVID, we, our gym shut down. So my son and I started swimming every day. And that's been a really, I, I didn't ever consider myself a swimmer. So every evening before I go to bed, we'll go down and do, uh, you know, about 10, 10 or so laps in the pool and, and then come back. And I have definitely felt I've done it for uh, the better part of this year. And I've, I felt like I've, it's made a, quite an impact on, on my health. And to me, that connects me to an amazing advice I got from a mentor and a wise, amazing soul in my life, Anne Hall, a great friend. She reminded me that start your day always and doing the personal important things first. And, you know, of course she, I just can't pull it off like her. She just literally has the family slogan is run hard till you puke. Like that's how hard she works. And to me, I just feel if I can just even start running in the morning. So I really love that, that taking care of yourself is very important. And that's huge. So if you could be in my shoes, what would be that amazing, smart question, Dwight, that you could ask, Dwight, that would make Arjun look really good? Help me, buddy. <laughs> oh, let's see. I would say, oh, that's a good one. You know, I, I could, uh, the one, I, you could probably ask what's a, a really great quote that I've heard before. Yeah, what's your, so let me ask you, this is a very deep, profound question. I just thought about it. What's the deepest, profound quote that drives you, that inspires you? You know, there's a, there's a great, it's a great question, by the way, Arjun. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> there's a, a really great uh, international speaker who I had the, the privilege of interviewing, and in, uh, he's a, with the National Speakers Association, and he, he had been a, a national president of the organization. His name is Jim Cathcart. And uh, when I interviewed Jim, this is a quote that he used, and we were just talking about, you know, how, just this whole thing of like we talked about, you know, people struggle and we have this issue of these roadblocks. And his quote was like, you know, like, how do you start out in the morning? He goes, I just put the first leg over the edge of the bed and, and stand and, and put the second one and then stand up. Mm -hmm. I'm not quoting him right, but it's something to that effect that, and that's what, when I, before I ran the marathon, it was that that actually helped drive me because I said, if I can just get my right leg over the edge of the bed and, and stand up and then, then the left one and then stand up, I'm already on my way. And that's the, a lot of times we just lay in bed and we, we take that extra 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And it's instead of doing that, just say, I'm just going to put my right foot over the bed. That's all just my right foot. And then the left foot has to follow. And then you get up and you're on your way. And that really impacted me. So it was a really great quote I heard from Jim. And I'm going to use this because it's going to change my life. So come tomorrow, my commitment is no more snooze. Take the right foot or the left foot off the bed right away. And I'm yeah. going to do that. That's Thank right. you for an amazing Just advice. trick yourself. Go, I'm, I, you're just going to put your right leg over the edge. That's all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I'm going to do it from tomorrow. No more snoozing. Anything else you want to share? <sighs> wow. You know, it's been... Um... I think the last thing I would share is just, you know, this, this hope that I'd like to extend to people in the midst of COVID, you know, we, I thought we were, our business was going to shut down and this has been one of our best years ever. And I have to attribute it to not losing sight on that, that relentless pursuit of being innovative. Mm -hmm. So we look at all of our clients. We called every one of our clients. We asked them what they need, what's going on. Can we help you? 
In some cases, we reduced our rates. In most cases, we didn't. We had some people that wanted to do more. Uh, we did more for free with, for everybody, but some people wanted to pay us to do more. We brought in more clients. The clients that they had problems with shut down, uh, where their, their prospect base shut down, we sat down with them and we said, what can we do to serve those people for free? Mm-hmm. And we found ways to do that. And, and I would say to everybody, you know, we're going to get through this thing, but those of us who have taken this opportunity to take something really bad that's happened and find good in that, find a better way to do stuff, find a way to overcome that hurdle. If you can do that, and it was the same thing in 2008 with the financial crisis. If you can make it through that, you can make it through anything. If you can make it through this, you can make it through anything. And you'll come out stronger on the other side, stronger than you could have imagined. And that's happened to me personally. It's happened to our company. It's been amazing to see this transformation over this last year. And we were already doing great. And this just propelled us even further. So that's the, that's the final thing I would, I'd like to share, just that, that glimpse of hope that if you just stay true to this process and never giving up, you'll get there. I love that hope. And I also would add the flip side of the hope is I request everyone, even if how bad business is, life is, to just look back and just document how much each one of us have accomplished since March 15th of this year, okay? It's bizarre, like any person I talk to, this has been a personal record-breaking year for each one of us. And sometimes in the worry about future, we are not giving ourselves that credit. So I really love that hope message. And I also would request everyone to look at, look back. Dwight, this is such an amazing conversation. So I really am fortunate to have this conversation, a lot of learning, a lot of insights. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Arjun. You too as well. Thank you so much. So here are some big nuggets I took. And again, I have to listen to this conversation again to write down more. The first thing, what I loved about this attitude of Dwight, the attitude is about the passion of being in front of the change. And he also has very clearly defined that if I don't stay ahead, this is what happens. I fall behind and there's no tomorrow. The second part is, as he started going through, he also shared his human vulnerable side where he talked about that, hey, you know, we all felt there was, there are times that we are not going to make it, let's be honest, okay? But how he used that defining moment to not only to define his business for himself, but also for clients to create new products, because I really feel feeling that pain point himself, he could accelerate and drive himself to take it to the next level. And the third part is, it was not a one-time journey because he has repeatedly talked about in this conversation about a process and process is what you do every day, every time. He has talked about the sacred hours. He has talked about how he starts his day. He has talked about working hard. And the final piece was the icing on the cake was, how do you start your day? get the right foot off the bed, do something like to do that. And to me, it is really fascinating. Of all these things, I have heard some of them in different ways from different amazing leaders, but seeing Dwight walk the talk was really hit home. And Dwight, if there's one phrase people ask me, 
that I'm taking from you today is congratulate more than just thanking people. It's simply brilliant. So thank you again for a fascinating conversation. Thank you all for listening to this conversation and I'm sure you'll find amazing nuggets. This is Arjun Sen and this truly is a pleasure to share discussions and conversations with leaders from all walks of life all over the world with you. Please share, review, truly appreciate that and happy listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, Brand Whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.